Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We're reading the Acts of the Apostles, Colin. You're reading it from The Truth, your new version. And we're asking the question, what is this saying to us, the church, today? And we read in Chapter 2 yesterday how Peter was emboldened when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you think he surprised even himself by what he said? I think, you know, when when you're in the middle of these events, uh, you don't even think about it. You, you, you just get taken up with God. God is working through you. You find yourself doing all kinds of things that um, by reason you wouldn't even contemplate doing. Uh, and, and it is just really the Holy Spirit of God working through you. Uh, I, mean, I can remember one occasion when I, I, I saw a number of people get out of wheelchairs and walk and somebody off a mattress and walk, you know, and, so, and, and somebody who had been leading the worship at the meeting um, said to me after, I said, oh, what boldness. I've never seen such boldness like that before. And to me, you see, it wasn't boldness at all. I was simply t- doing what God told me to do. He said, go and pray for that one, get that one out of the wheelchair, lift that lady off her bed. And so I just did those things. And you don't feel bold. You don't think, oh, this is wonderful. This is great. All you're doing is just obeying what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Uh, and if, if you're in the middle of a flow of the Holy Spirit like that, um, you're not even worried or conscious about yourself. You're not thinking, I wonder if this is going to work. or Because you know that if God is telling you to do something, it's bound to work. It's amazing, though, because the day before, they were behind locked doors in fear for their lives. I mean, Yeah, but th- this is the difference that the Holy Spirit makes. Um, you see, the interesting thing is they saw all these wonderful things happen, but as we'll see when we get to chapter 4, they're praying for greater boldness. And yet they've already been preaching with such boldness that they've been thrown into prison. Um, they, they just saw the need uh, for more and more of the Holy Spirit's activity amongst them. And, of course, this is true of the church today because the world is not going to be changed by a methodology or by having you know, leadership seminars. They all have their place. But what is going to change and transform Uh, the society in which we live is the way in which the power of God's Spirit is going to operate through his church, through his people. The Holy Spirit is the agent of change. He is the only one who can transform. And so everything has to be done in the power of the Spirit. And probably um, this great gathering of all these thousands of people listening to Peter took place on the steps going up to the main entrance of the temple because there was a big space there in front of the temple where people could have gathered in their thousands and standing on the steps he could have been heard by them all. Um, and of course then there were the the um, ritual baths which were there at the entrance to the temple. So, you know, we can imagine all these people going and being baptized there and then going into the temple and worshipping and praising God. Instead of just having a ritual bath, they had a baptism instead. (laughs) As we look at chapter 3, we we see Peter and John going up to the temple at the time of prayer. So clearly they didn't change their habits, even though they'd had this great almost tsunami of the Holy Spirit on their lives. No, they they didn't cease to be Jews. Yes. We've got to remember that. you know, you don't stop being a Jew when you become a Christian. Uh, you, you're a Jewish believer or a Gentile believer. And so they, they were still Jews and, and they still worshipped as Jews 
in the very early part uh, years of the church. What we see during the period of the New Testament is uh, as the gospel spread to the Gentile nations, so the balance shifted. It was predominantly Jewish at first and then became predominantly Gentile um, simply because of the spread of the church. But and, of course, you... we have this very interesting scenario that went on about how the two different groups, which came from completely different backgrounds, um, had to learn to live together. But we'll come to that kind of thing when we get later into Acts. But it does beg the question today how in a church that at one point can be quite quite dead and closed to the Holy Spirit, you just get a few people who come alive. You do you do get this rub, don't you? You, you get this rub, but... Um, over the years, I've known, I'm thinking immediately of um, um, just a, a, a young man, one young man, um, who came to um, uh, a, a conference in, in another nation uh, and never heard really about teaching about the Holy Spirit. He, he was a, a church person before. He got so filled with the Holy Spirit, he went back to his church in his own nation. And really, a great move of the Spirit, a sort of a revival broke out in that church. Um, and hundreds and hundreds of people got born again and filled with the Holy Spirit as a result. And that was just the transformation of one young man. Now, the interesting thing was that in that society, um, the old didn't listen to the young. The young, you know, had to really be silent. And I got a letter from this man saying, would I come and visit his church because people would listen? So although hundreds had already been saved by the time I got there, there was, especially among the older people, a resistance because this was a young man. So I went and simply preached the gospel and saw hundreds more that that weekend come to the Lord. And, uh, you know, it's just that igniting a fire in one person can have a repercussive effect and many, many other people can get uh, impacted by God as a result. But we come now to verse 42 of chapter 2 of Acts. Now, this is a, a key verse. We've got to try to uh, recognize what is happening. This 120 who all knew Jesus personally when he was in the flesh, they had received the Holy Spirit. This great event has happened on the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and preached, and now 3,000 other people uh, have responded to the gospel. They have been baptized because they have now been incorporated into Christ. And they too would then have received the gift of the Holy Spirit as was prophesied. Now, they have got to begin to create what we would call a church life. And this was a very mixed group of people. You see, I've been saying that um, uh, the... Uh, 
disciples, the original disciples, focused very much on the Jewish community. But here were people from all these nations. And after the festival, they would go back to their nations. Now, they would have been Jewish or what were called God-fearers, Gentiles who believed in the Jewish faith. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't have been there for the feast. So they weren't just, you know, non-pagans. They weren't just pagans. They, they were people that uh, really wanted relationship with God. Um, so the gospel was going to spread at least in the, among the Jewish community in many nations as a result of what was happening. But here in Jerusalem, they were going to have to begin uh, to uh, create a church life, whatever that meant. Now, this hadn't been done before. And um, soon, of course, the church in Jerusalem became 5,000, as we'll see when we come to that. So what kind of lifestyle developed? Well, it says in verse 42 that they devoted themselves to four things. Now, this is a strong word, the word that is translated devoted, because it means they did not play around, they did not do these things superficially, but they gave themselves wholeheartedly to these four things. What are they? First of all, they were taught God's word by the apostles. Literally, the Greek means the apostles' teaching. The apostles who had spent those three years with Jesus knew the deposit of truth that God had put into them. Now they had received the Holy Spirit. They could impart that truth to others in the power of the Spirit. And Jesus had told them to wait till they receive that power to enable them to do that effectively. So the people are devoting themselves to the teaching of, really, of the gospel. Then they devoted themselves to sharing their lives with one another in love. Why? Well, the new command that Jesus had given to those disciples at the Last Supper, the, the new command that went with the new covenant, was you are to love one another as I have loved you. Uh, my command is this, that you love one another. So they devoted themselves to learning what that meant. And, of course, the love of God, the agape love that the, the Holy Spirit pours into people is love in action. It's love that is expressed in giving. It's not emotion. It's not a feeling. They didn't devote themselves to feeling love for one another. They devoted themselves to acting in love for one another, to giving to one another, to sharing Therefore, everything they had with one another. That's how extensively uh, they worked out this principle. Uh, then they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, the very action that Jesus had performed at the Last Supper, so that they could set forth all that the cross meant, all that Jesus Christ had done for them every time they repeated that action recalling all that Christ had done for them. And then they devoted themselves to the prayers, to praying together, not just to being people of prayer themselves, but to be praying together, to be agreeing in faith for what God was wanting to do. Mm -hmm. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 